I couldn't really tell you, oh, you know what? I had people around me that are either my same age or same background and age, like just finding that intersection of people who, you know what, have stepped in these shoes before me. This is how you get into biz apps or this is what software and SaaS uh, marketing is like. That doesn't really exist. So I'm very thankful, to be honest, because I feel like I got lucky where, yes, I had to blaze my own trail, but I also found really good mentors. Thank you so much for joining us again at the BizApp Springboard. My name is Khaled Nostra. I'm very happy to be joined today by Noor Ali. Noor. Thank you, Khaled. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Um, I am, I'd say, a younger professional that started in BizApps just a few years ago. Um, but I really, 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 really love to say, first and foremost, I am an immigrant daughter. Um, I think that's kind of the mindset that I lead with, the values that I lead with. So I really grew up and I was born and raised in Dubai for most of my life um, before we immigrated to Canada, um, moved with my family and later on uh, moved here specifically for my education, seeking kind of um, a business degree, kind of going away from the traditional, let's say, uh, Middle Eastern mindset that my family tended to have with if you're not an engineer, you're not a doctor, you're not a lawyer, it doesn't count. Um, and it's really interesting because I always thought business was super exciting. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do growing up, but I knew I wanted to do something that had to do with technology and also my love for marketing as well and figuring out how do you help communicate with, with someone on values and how you can kind of help them with their needs. So I kind of went very traditional from the get-go and I think it kind of speaks to who I am. I took a big risk and I think it's a theme that I taught kind of kept going where I uh, went to school, really pursued a school where I knew there was some sort of connection to Microsoft. So I was very, very selective with that. And so I'm a proud McMaster alumni. Um, if anyone who's from DeGroote is listening to this, I love the DeGroote School of Business, does not get enough credit. Um, but yeah, I really, I put my head and like all my time and attention in extracurriculars. And somehow, thankfully, I did a few case competitions where Microsoft sponsored us got an internship um, at Microsoft and it was super exciting. Uh, my first internship was probably one of my favorite jobs that I could ever land as just a, a young student who was just aspiring to break into tech. Um, and so I did that for a few years, for a year, sorry, and then came, came back to school, finished my school, um, did a contract kind of at Microsoft as well, because I did end up graduating during COVID. So that was an interesting time and eventually made it made my way in there, really crawled in and made it full time. So I've been super happy to kind of be at Microsoft as a younger, um, I'd say graduate. So it's been it's been a fantastic time. And that's kind of who I am so far as a, as a nutshell as I've been starting to form kind of the rest of my career. That sounds awesome, Noor. Thank you for sharing that. And it it is interesting that you brought up the fact that it's not the traditional view of kind of what you're supposed to do um, as a younger um, child of immigrants or specifically like in Middle Eastern culture. I know uh, from my background, uh, same thing. It's either being a doctor or being an engineer um, or even being like a teacher is also preferable to just having like uh, a new job, quote unquote, where it's like, if you're working with product or if you're working with partners and that's not things that our parents maybe are familiar with but it also puts you at a bit of a disadvantage because 
in a lot of cases, the people that are your peers have someone else who's kind of paved the way and they can stand on the shoulders of giants. Have you faced that at all that you've had to like blaze your own trail? Uh, yeah, I definitely hear you on that. I think it's really interesting because uh, where I where we come from, right? Canada has been super a super diverse um, country, even in terms of where I live, because I live in the Greater Toronto area. It's been super diverse, and I kind of also chose Microsoft because I saw how diverse they were. But even with that, thinking about the layers of that, I couldn't really tell you. Oh, you know what? I had people around me that are you know what, either my same age or same background and age, like just finding that intersection of people who, you know what, have stepped in these shoes before me to be like, no, this is how you get into Microsoft. This is how you get into biz apps, or this is what software and SaaS uh, marketing is like. That doesn't really exist when you're some Middle Eastern girl who's just trying to make it and has had these sets of experiences. So I'm very thankful, to be honest, because I feel like I got lucky where Yes, I had to, I'd say, like blaze my own trail, but I also found really good mentors where uh, my, my first ever manager, she was a really awesome woman of color. Um, and she she really connected with me and kind of understood that, I'd say, immigrant mindset. But I also was double lucky, I would say, and, and my mentor was my director at the time. And he was someone who had been at Microsoft for about five years at the time when I met him, but he was in technology for about 10 years. But even with him, his story really inspires me and I hope I'll send him this and make sure he, he listens in. He also started from a very non-traditional background, was doing a blue collar job and really ended up doing some customer support in technology and did really well and then actually really got into the product management space. So I think with our culture and our background, you have to find people who bet on you, but you also have to bet on yourself. So I had to really make a very conscious decision to go against what the traditional kind of jobs that were laid out for me were and say, you know what, I don't know exactly what it is, but I know I want to work in technology. I know I want to work in, in marketing as a function. I'll figure out what that really means, but I have to decide that, that for myself and take that risk. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out and maybe I can I can try something else. So really important to do that. But then, too, I was very lucky to have people who also bet on me. Um, in order to kind of blaze that trail. That that totally makes sense. And you quickly mentioned that mm -hmm. I think that you referred to it as like multiple layers. It really makes sense. It's almost like you're trying to go through multiple obstacles and each of them are in a different spot and that's intersectionality. So how, how do you feel? Of course, like from my point of view, I've, I have some privilege as a male in, in tech. It's it's a bit easier to break in. You you at least like have someone, if I watch a movie, I see a tech executive who's a yeah. guy. And I can say, oh, I want to be that when I grow up. And that's representation, why it matters. But have you experienced that, like the effects of intersectionality are a bit more pronounced for you growing your career in tech? Yeah, that's a, honestly a fantastic question. I think because of the different layers that you have to think about where not just a woman, I'm a woman who is also an immigrant. I'm a woman who's also from the Middle East. I have certain sets of experiences that other people don't have as well. You can't really find that one space for you. At, honestly, at work, at different companies, you're never going to find that one niche space, but you will find different communities that you can tap into. And that's what I've been super grateful for, where I know like for me, at least at work, um, 
and even outside of work as well, there's huge women in tech communities. Now, do I always feel like I belong there? Not always. And I think we're there's still a lot of um, ways to go with kind of making that space way more intersectional, way more inclusive of different backgrounds as well. But it's still a community where I can go in and have conversations around, hey, like, how what are some of the obstacles that I deal with as a woman that, you know, what my peers who are men don't really go through, especially as it comes to things around asking for promotions or talking, having these really difficult conversations where I think women's confidence tends to be a bit more um, smaller with that. We don't like to take up as much space. But at the same time, I know at least for us at Microsoft, it's been amazing to kind of tap into the different ERGs that we have. So our employee resource groups are pretty extensive. So I found Asians at Microsoft super kind of enticing as well. Sometimes Muslims at Microsoft as well. It's been really honestly like a good space to go into and see where people are making donations, what preps people are making, how people are even deciding to go about working because it's not just about being involved with that community, but it's also about being able to let your peer know, hey, by the way, there's a month coming up where I'm going to be a bit brain fogged all day. I am going to be best kind of collaborative in these hours. And just asking for some grace and mindfulness of that has been super awesome. And I, I'm super grateful to kind of be able to say, you know what, I can't find 100% where I belong and where I fit, but I felt a ton of support from the different communities. That's so beautiful to hear. And I, I completely understand, like relate to that because it's kind of our um, our, our multiple identities almost. Yeah. Like you have to be a bit of a chameleon and that's the strength where you yeah. can find common threads with so many people. Like for me, I can relate to uh, other Middle Eastern people. I can relate to people who have some Italian heritage. Exactly. I can relate to people with some Greek heritage. And it's interesting that you kind of have to really know yourself to know all these different parts like you touched on. Like you have yeah. to know which parts relate to the Muslims and Microsoft group, which parts relate to the Asians and Microsoft group. And uh, like finding those different areas that can help you nurture the parts of your personality, I think is so important. Do you think that that's something that you looked for intentionally or like, were you aware that you're going to face these obstacles when you pursued a career in tech? I will say I didn't think about it as much. I was so focused on just breaking into it because I just, I had a point to prove and I had a bet that I took on myself that I was like, no matter what, I got to figure out how to do this. And even if it's like requiring like my blood, sweat and tears, that's what's going to take. And so I was very determined, also super oblivious as just like a 20 year old, 19 year old, whatever you want, want to call it. Um, but I think I learned pretty quickly in my internship. I was like, oh, OK, there are differences and you can quite clearly see them. Um, but I will say like every day I feel like we get better with that and every day I think People are okay to have more uncomfortable conversations, which is super great. Um, and I also think like it's been a there's been a shift in tone and change of people's mindsets of, you know what, if you have feedback for someone on them not being as inclusive, it's welcomed, right? Like I never want to assume someone's doing anything out of like malintent or trying to be exclusive. However, 
what I love the most is when you actually give someone the feedback and they really take it in and they don't take it personally. They understand that you're telling them because you just want to improve the kind of the dynamic, the relationship. And I've been in those situations where I've had to do that. And it's been amazing. And then you know what? Those people end up being my favorite people because they're really open to feedback. So it's it's a challenge, but I think everyone's kind of all on hands on deck to try and figure it out together. Yeah, and and it's so nice that for us, like the next generation of people growing in this space, and especially our space of like biz apps and more B2B channel centric uh, areas, yeah, maybe we're getting more and more empowered now. And part of it, I think, is thanks to the past generation, people who like were carving out their careers in the 80s and the 90s, where it was a bit more exclusionary than today, for sure. And they had to go with different names, even like I couldn't go with yeah. Khaled in, in uh, the 80s. I would have had to go by Kyle or something. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, sounds kind of cool, but I like Khaled too. So. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, yeah, so I think it's it is really nice that it's almost like a, a thing that we have to come across and not something that causes dread or like yeah. even stops us from considering uh, the space altogether, which which probably was the case and why we weren't encouraged to pursue the space uh, as as younger people. It's it is really true. interesting, right? Yeah, like it's, no, it's, it's super true. And I know for me, like I was the first one, if, if I think about not just my direct family, my extended family with all my cousins as well, I was the first person to say, you know what? not doing engineering like legitimately <laughs> at, at the last the, the last person who did engineering was probably my older brother everyone else afterwards actually pursued different career paths and it's been amazing because i'm seeing my little cousins being like you know what i also want to do business maybe they don't necessarily want to do technology but you know what like they're pursuing paths that are not as traditional one of my cousins now is pursuing trying to be a dj on the side trying to do basketball on the side with his brother as well and i honestly think it's like that quote where they say you know i walked so you can run and it's honestly i'm very proud i'm i'm very happy and i think it brings me a lot of joy to see people pursue their passions and feel like, you know what, I don't have to do what I've just been told to do, that I have to fit into this box and have to be a doctor and I have to be a lawyer. No, it's really, that box was created because it's all our parents and their generation. That's all they knew, right? Um, so it's always amazing. And I, I always welcome and I get very excited when I see other Middle Eastern girls as well trying to do an internship at Microsoft or um, even just trying to break into to the space in general, I'm always super welcoming, super excited because I was that person and I could have used the help. It would have made my life a bit easier. And so if I could extend it, I'm always excited to do that. Yeah, and I'm glad to hear you say uh, you feel proud because you should be like um, if, if I can say that. Um, I think knowing your background, knowing how hard you work to break into this and how determined you were um is so impressive um and and it's unique because i think to a lot of people even nowadays the first thought isn't hey i want to go into software that helps companies run better they're thinking maybe i want to be a youtuber or i want to build yeah. the next social media or i want to build i don't know uber but it's for um sweaters 
and then drops <laughs> off sweaters every other day. So how do you kind of get laser focused on this space? Were you were you determined to get into more of a B2B uh, area within Microsoft or was it just Microsoft in general? That's a great, great, great question. For me, the first and foremost kind of value that I based it on was do I and this tech company have the same values? Because I really loved technology from being a younger kid because I thought it was endless opportunity and endless possibilities and you could help and do so much and make genuine impact. And I really resonated with that the most when I looked at Microsoft's mission and looked at their values as well. There's a lot of tech companies out there, but there's a lot that I would not work for. And I was super selective with it for that reason, because I want to be able to say, you know what, I, I understand the decisions and the direction we're going with as a company. Um, and if it if it doesn't align with mine, it just would not have felt authentic to me. Now, on the B2B to B2C question, it's a fantastic question because I honestly think our educational institution, even when you get into business school, they don't really kind of lay it out for you on like, here are the pros and cons of actually working in the consumer space and working in the business space or the B2B space. I think, yes, they make the distinction, but they never make it real for you. And you always meet or... Um, always kind of dream about, oh, you know what, I want to do advertising. I want to build the next McDonald's campaign because it's going to touch every single human being. But I think that's so negligent to think and not assume that the technology that we work on where all these B2B, com all these companies are also being impacted in an everyday way, right? I think I got lucky with my first internship and I'll just touch on it a little bit for context. It was an internship uh, internship on the Surface Devices uh, business group. And so what that meant was I did work with um, our product marketing managers on the B2B clients that we had. But a lot of B2B work when it comes to devices is still kind of inspiring that human that's still making the decision behind it. So I did feel like I got a lot of consumer exposure as well. Um, like even when you think about us kind of working with schools, right, you're trying to inspire that student, that teacher. So I kind of got to play with both. And I thought, you know what, both are equally as exciting. Now, when I started to think about, you know what, I do want to branch out and actually get into software. That's where I, I actually made the conscious decision of, you know what, no, I really want to go into B2B. I think there's just so much that's untapped productivity, untapped like creativity that I think like is super exciting. And it's one of those things where I think you want to make impact, right? And you always think I want to make impact on every person that I meet um, or I want to know that it helps someone in some way. But that really still applied in B2B. And I think that impact multiplies when it's in a B2B setting as well. When you're working with commercial organizations that are large and massive and they're going to determine the next I don't know, most sustainable way to produce water bottles. I don't know how much more we're going to go with that one, but it's just the impact feels so much bigger and it's amazing. It's a really, it's a really nice feeling. Now, the role that I'm in, I'm not working with these largest organizations. I'm actually focused on the SMB segment, right? But that to me is so meaningful because when you go out, when I go outside my door, 90% of the economy in Canada is built on the backs of small and medium-sized business owners. They are making a choice that's so deliberate with where they're spending every dollar that it, it to me, it requires a certain level of trust that we have to build with them that's very special. But then also it makes or breaks their business. And that is huge responsibility to have. And so 
that for me really hits the trifecta of like, you know what, I love technology, I love marketing, and I want to make impact. And so I've been super um, excited and, and kind of fulfilled in this role. That's awesome to hear, Noor. And I, I am glad you touched on the SMB enterprise distinction because um, you're not only going for like the less shiny path of B2B, yeah. <laughs> but then you're doubling down and choosing the less shiny path of SMB again. <laughs> you know, that's, awesome. that's the immigrant mindset. You know what? <laughs> you got to make what, the most of it. That's true. And and it is, it might be the road less traveled, but I completely agree. There's, uh, there is fulfillment in the fact that you get to touch so many different companies. It's not just like one project for a whole year where you really immerse yourself, but it's also a lot of different uh, regulation and mm-hmm. you're kind of taking so long to achieve. Yeah. I find an enterprise sometimes, but um, on the SMB side of things, we're fortunate to have a degree of flexibility, a degree of agility. You can test ideas quicker. And as a marketer, that's beautiful because you get to try out different messages, work with many new industries. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that there is a specific message that's resonating with customers nowadays? Yeah, I think everyone and it, regardless of whether you're an SMB or enterprise right now, you're really just trying to figure out how do I do more with just a very small amount of money that I have and an amount of resources that I have? So think about the latest kind of announcements from Microsoft on the AI side, right? You are just now unlocking so much more productivity. You're able to do so much more with the exact same number of people that you have, with the exact same tools that you are using, but you're getting a lot more value. And I genuinely think that that's what people are looking for. I think people are trying to tap each other on the shoulder and say, hey, do you know something I don't? Like, how do I do more with just the same amount of investments that I have? Um, And I think that's kind of what we've been anchoring on a lot as well. But I also think it's really important to have an industry lens on it, especially when it comes to business applications. Um, You're really, you can't just slap on any ERP and any CRM system and be like, cool, this is going to work for you. It worked for these 300 other people. Every business is so unique and there's a lot of industry requirements and industry messaging. You need to be able to speak their language. Otherwise, why should they trust you and why should they make that purchase from you, right? So I think it's really important to think about how do you create more value for your customers in a time that's kind of as sensitive as as right now with the economy, but then too, how do you speak their language in that industry? Yeah, and, and I think um, that's, again, an area where having that um, degree of being a chameleon is is useful because yeah. <laughs> you can relate to so many different businesses. You can you're you're kind of trained to listen in and focus on who the person in front of you is before you channel the right part of you. Yeah. Maybe it's a bit of like we're taught to mask sometimes, which is not positive. But um, this is this is the like positive spin on it, I think, is where you learn how to like channel the right parts. I agree with you. And this is a really, uh, I'd say different analogy but there's a show that i love on youtube that's called hot ones where they have their the guests kind of eat hot wings i don't know if you've ever watched it but i feel like every single episode that host does such a great job of like tuning into the person that's in front of him and trying to mirror their experience you're trying to just show them that hey i hear you i'm actively listening and if you're struggling 
guess what? I'm struggling too, because I think at the end of the day, every customer wants to feel heard, right? And every customer also wants to feel like, I'm not the only one facing these challenges. There's other people before me that face these challenges. And you know what? This vendor, this, let's say Microsoft, or in this, in the case of an ISV, Binary Stream understands my challenges, challenges, and they've, they've helped people like me before, and they can help me now too. They want to feel related to, they want to feel heard and just kind of understood. Yeah. And, and that part of empathy is sometimes forgotten i think and in yeah. B2B, we just think oh you're a business here's how you save time and you save money and it's like <laughs> no there are people behind this that have their emotions and they want to know that someone hears them and that's so awesome that you clued into that part of hot ones um i, I i've seen a couple of the episodes like with Paul Rudd and with DJ Khaled, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> that, DJ Khaled's still the worst episode he's ever had. It's yeah. like everybody is not letting that one go. No, I know. But um, it is it is really interesting. It's um, it's funny you mentioned that. I was binging some uh, old episodes of Between Two Ferns <laughs> yesterday. And I think Zach Galifianakis does a similar thing too, where it's like, trying to understand the person and know really how to hurt them because yeah. he's really trying to offend as many people as possible. But uh, Hot Ones is maybe the positive spin on it where exactly. you're empathizing and relating to them. Yeah. Uh, it's so interesting. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, Noor, is like, it, it sounds like you've been able to pave the path for your younger cousins and for people in your family. Um, how do you feel that people that are maybe on the outside looking in mm-hmm. or um, upcoming university grads who I do not envy at all. They've probably had the worst university experience going through a couple of years of COVID and now graduating into some uncertainty. Um, what is your advice for them on exploring their career and maybe wanting to venture into tech? Yeah, it's <clears throat> honestly a fantastic question. And uh, it's tough. It's tough because I, I graduated a couple of years ago and time then feels so different than now. And it feels like the market's even so much more competitive. Um, and it's really sad, too. I think a lot of what's been going on is a lot of applications are just kind of collecting dust on desks and it can be really discouraging for the student on the other line. Mm-hmm. So my thing is you have to stay focused. You kind of have to make those bets. You have to decide on where are you trying to go? Yes, you can apply to 500 places and there is definitely a numbers game to it. And I, I don't discourage that 100%. But I think narrowing down and being like, you know what, I want to work in this space. Here are five companies I like that I think I would really enjoy and I feel like I'm aligned with. And then here are like three roles that I think I could possibly do that are kind of um, arranged, right, to give you the flexibility. But I think if you just start throwing your resume everywhere, you know it's just not going to stick. Um, so make those bets and stay focused on what you actually want. But then two, I think it's it's really hard to not get discouraged. So you have to have, I'd say, support systems in place and coping mechanisms in place of, you know what, the market sucks right now. And I'm going to keep applying. But maybe, you know what, in the meantime, I'm going to focus my energy elsewhere, which brings me to point three. I think skilling is super important. And I think it's just one thing that you can get out of the way because, if you can't get a job right now and you're struggling to kind of break in and make those connections, at least when you do at some point, when when kind of the opportunity aligns with luck and a mentor, let's say, and things kind of form that perfect storm, 
at least at that point, you would have had maybe some certifications, you would have had some knowledge that would have helped you gotten to open that door, right? I think people kind of underestimate how much shared interests are, are really important. Um, I know a lot of people do a lot of like LinkedIn outreach, but make it meaningful, right? Similar to how you're you're picking your focus on where you want to apply. Reach out to people that you're like, you know what? Like, I'm not just interested in their job, but I actually feel like we have very similar paths. We went to the same school. We ended up doing similar jobs. And then he's kind of at a place where I aspire to be, or I see that he does a lot of volunteering in this space. Try and find people with similar interests, because I think we all know everybody's inboxes are kind of flooded and it's hard to filter out like who's genuinely trying to build a meaningful connection um, and who can you resonate with. So I think think about that a little bit. You know, LinkedIn is a is a great tool to stalk someone and get to know what they're into, how they spend their time, the types of posts that they interact with. Um, and then lastly, I'll say if all fell, if all else fails, you should go travel. Even if you're a student right now, I think there's definitely ways to do it on a budget friendly way. And I think there's just so much to be had in terms of experiences before you get to that full time job and have kind of a lot of commitments. Um, and that's really the same advice I've given my intern as well. I've told him exactly all these things where, where you go, you know what, you got to stay focused, apply, keep skilling yourself. But then if you have the opportunity to travel, 100% go do it. Yeah, I, I, I like that. And it's about embracing the different phases of our lives. Sometimes we want to jump ahead to like grinding yeah. nine to five all day long. And then you uh, realize but, you're like, oh, maybe I rushed into it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. And it's, it is it is interesting to your point that right now might not be the most like candidate friendly um, time. I mean, I, I see it with how many applicants I get for each job I post. It's mm -hmm. crazy. It's maybe double, triple what I used to get a couple of months ago. And that's unfortunate because I would love to hire everyone. I just can't. And um, that means that a lot of people will have to be rejected. But what would you say to maybe employers who may be hesitant to take a chance or take a gamble as they might see it on yeah. a newer person who's entering the space? Maybe they're not so experienced with younger workers or not sure if like yeah. the experience gap is too critical? I think for me, the thing that I value the most that I feel like employers should always kind of scout for is someone someone with a very, um, we call it not a know-it-all, a learn-it-all mindset. Really, someone who's super eager and will tell you, you know what, I can be very vulnerable and say, I don't know this. I don't know X product. I don't know the answer to this. However, I'm going to do these things to go and figure it out. And I I think that trumps everything else. I think everything else can be learned. Everything else can be kind of learned either on the job or through like training. Um, but I think employers need to be able to look out for that fit of, is that person going to try their best to show up their best every day, show up 1% better than yesterday? Whatever, whatever quote suits you best, that's fine. But really someone who's always trying to improve themselves and always having a learn it all mindset of, you know what, I don't know the answer. That's okay, because how how am I supposed to know everything? But I will go figure it out. Um, that's always been the thing that I've looked out for the most, especially with interns as well, because interns, new grad hires, I really think with them as an employer, you have to lower your expectations on the technical side and 
depends on the role for sure. If you're hiring a software developer that doesn't know how to code, that, that's a bit of a, a different gap to solve for. But I think in the case of our, let's say, functions, um, yeah, someone who just has that mindset will get you very, very far. Totally true. And um, it's funny, the way I've always thought of it is like, do they have good metal um, to be turned into whatever weapon or yeah. tool you want? Like if there's any good chunk of metal can be turned into anything because it's malleable and it's something that can fit the mold that you want. Um, and that adaptability, that sense of learning, that mm. eagerness, that like not necessarily humility, but like ability to understand others is so important. And it's what makes good leaders. So really, if you want someone to invest into a long term that ends up leading your company and maybe grows into something huge, you should look for these critical qualities because I completely agree. Those qualitative things may be overlooked on a on a resume on paper, yeah. but um, they're, they're the things that are hardest to teach. And, um, and you're right. They're also very hard to spot because yeah, empathy is one that is you're. I didn't think of that, but as soon as you said it, I was like, you're so right because there's a ton of people that you come across with, and you're like, they are the most brilliant person ever. They do not know how to work with people, and it's unfortunate, but it happens, and it means that you know what? With those types of folks, you have to train them in order to become leaders. But I think you're right. Natural born leaders tend to lead with empathy and that I don't know can be taught very easily like that's a pretty difficult skill to kind of teach someone who maybe kind of doesn't really feel in tune with other people's emotions um it's a very hard skill to scout and teach yeah I I completely agree um Noor what advice do you have for um people in general in in our space like what do you think are good things to start learning about um to have on your radar I know we're talking about AI a lot. We're talking about like yeah. low code and no code. Um, do you want to steer people into this space? Do you think that there's other things on the precipice that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I think there's just so much that we still haven't kind of uncovered with BizApps as a category. Um, I know ERP and CRM will continue to kind of show us a ton of innovation. I think Power Platform is a very easy thing that, you know what, that should be on everybody's radar. Like, I don't care what it is that you do, you can benefit from it. I look at how I can use Power Platform in my day job as well. Everybody should. And I really think as a person who's trying to break into the category, you got to start learning on these things. You got to pick your, like, and I'm not, this is me speaking even beyond from Microsoft, like pick your brand, pick your vendor that you're like, you know what, I resonate with let's say Salesforce, and it's a bad example, but I'll just say it for the sake of diversity, but go out there and really just try to learn and upskill yourself on it. And then add the layer of like, how can I take this to the next level using local tools? Because I think that's just going to stay a theme for a very long time to come. Um, I think with AI, the, the level of investments that we're seeing and the partnership that's happening with OpenAI it's just going at a crazy rate that I've never seen before. I've never seen us go to market this fast. And I'm just so excited to see what that even looks like three months from now, six months from now. And so I think if you're someone trying to break into this as well, you need to kind of stay in touch with that. And so maybe it means also just maybe being connected and following a few people that kind of are subject matter experts on this just to kind of stay up to date. But really I'd say like power between Power Platform and AI, 
you're kind of covered for for a bit um and just thinking about extending that knowledge and thinking about how do i use it how do i kind of take it to the next level using these tools i love that it's really exploring the huge amount of information that we have out there now which is great Crazy, um, but yeah. also contextualizing it and yeah. knowing how it fits you and your goals and staying authentic to yourself because yeah. i think it's so easy to get swayed and like hop on trends and try to emulate your classmate who's like doing something that's really cool but staying true to yourself contextualizing things for yourself i think is so critical yeah and i also think if you're you're a geek you know youtube is a great <laughs> is a great wormhole to fall fall into and i i've definitely fallen trapped to all of those clickbait videos of like I tried this, this today. And you know what? Just go, go and indulge in that because it's a lot of knowledge that could serve you one day and maybe sooner than you think. But like you said, take that knowledge and contextualize it. I love that. Totally. Noor, thank you so much. This was a great conversation. It was awesome hearing about your experience with intersectional feminism, why that's really important. Uh, raising a voice for people who maybe have to find it in different pockets but uh, still making those pockets available and creating those space. The space is not created for you. You know what? Take it on to yourself and create the space for yourself and for others after you, like you've been able to do with your cousins. And uh, definitely having that empathy, because I think that's so important. Just seeing first to understand, then to be understood. I appreciate the conversation. It's been a fun morning on my side. Um, and I'm super happy to be here and I'll, I'll come back anytime, Khaled. Just you call me whenever. <laughs> awesome, Nora. Thank you so much. Thank you.